I did not take a vow of poverty. Right. So, uh, um, so I, I think realistic expectations. I think it will continue that many of uh, pastors in our community will be bivocational, uh, pastor multiple t uh, uh, churches, uh, because I think the economics going to to dictate that. And I think one of the things as pastors is that we have to encourage our young people uh, to, to strive to succeed uh, financially. Uh, I think that's where it is. And in traveling, and like you and I, we both had experiences other places and uh, interacted nationally on the denominational level. And it's just not unique to, to, to Baton Rouge. It's, it's, it's and everywhere. And that's the point to me that 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 this is not unique to Baton Rouge yes. this is not unique to Louisiana yeah. this is across the nation with regard to the African American church and it it it, it crosses denominational lines as well uh, if if people think that this is just a black baptist thing no it's not it's a black methodist thing uh, uh, it, it it's a black pentecostal thing that there is hardly a, a a denomination that you can call where this dilemma does not exist, and I understand the the realities of uh, of, of of the economics of it. My concern, uh, and 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 the reason why I'm I'm bringing it up, is because I think that people want to operate from an intentional misunderstanding uh, with regard to the church and the pastor and uh, the way that the church cares for the pastor and the expectations that the church has uh, of the pastor uh, when, when, when they extend a call. Uh, th th there was a period in, in, in my ministry when I spent a lot of time looking at uh, calls that were uh, going out uh, to pastors from churches across the country. And almost all of them started with full-time pastors. And yet when you got down to the areas of, of, of discussion about compensation, while they said that they were extending a full-time call, it certainly wasn't full-time compensation that they were offering. And, and so to expect to be able to call someone and demand uh, a certain amount of that person's time, male or female, uh, and, and, and demand uh, that this person give this amount of attention to the church, to the neglect of everything else, uh, and not be willing to compensate them appropriately for the demands that you are uh, trying to make on them, uh, that, that, that there's something about that that's just out of balance. And, and I wonder what can be done uh, to educate uh, churches, congregations on, on one end, and educate clergy on the other end uh, as to the realities of this situation? Well, I, I think it's leadership. I think, uh, I think uh, you and I have both benefited from a pastor who did educate his congregation and, and made some attempt to try to educate others. Uh, 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 Pastor Charles T. Smith. Yes, I he mean, did. He was very, 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 very passionate uh, about that, not just uh, uh, the senior pastor, but uh, I, I owe my ministerial to career 
about his vision of uh, ministerial staff to assist the pastor and the congregation within the in the church. I, I started in Christian education at Donaldson and served in uh, Christian education and administrative capacities here at, at Shiloh, and it was all because of the vision and, and many of uh, other our brothers and sisters of. Uh, who uh, got our calling under his watch? Experienced that blessing, but I, th- I think it's, a, it's uh, something else that he often spoke of that uh, that would not sound right to folk, but it's the truth. Even though we got too many churches, we cut the we cut in the financial pie, right? And, and it's I don't think it's unique to the African American experience and culture, but I think uh, oppression exasperated the situation. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? Well, I found it was always there, but when I attended the seminary in, uh, uh, in Virginia, uh, in reading the writings of, of Du Bois and, for instance, Carter G. Woodson, it was always that tension, basically, where they lambasted the black preacher mm-hmm. uh, for, for le- leadership. Uh, one, that everybody tried to be a preacher. Right. Because it was the only—at one time in our journey, an African-American male, either you were going to be a preacher or a school teacher, that's about all you had. Right. And, and so— we 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 had a, a a a large amount of folk, and I think that pattern still continues to uh, today. When I talked about the the expectation, and I think uh, it has been compounded by the the myth of the the mega church, mm-hmm. which is less than one percent of all the churches. Absolutely, uh, and, and uh, folks see pastors buying airplanes and getting cr- across the, 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 the country thing. But that is, you know, the, the average pastor is is, is, is is probably pastoring a hundred-member congregation some, somewhere uh, uh, and, and struggling to, to, to make a, 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 a living. So, uh, uh, but, but I think that... Uh, and for so many uh, years, the the African American church was the the voice of the black community. Yes, uh, and, and and that is changing. So, uh, I, but financially, uh, until as a community, African American communities become stronger financially. I don't think the churches. Uh, will be able to uh, compare to uh, can be competitive with the uh, uh, dominant culture of uh, churches. Yeah, I just want people to have a, a a more realistic expectation of of what the African American church can offer, and I believe that the African American church can offer a great deal, uh, and it goes beyond dollars and cents but as i say all the time if you ain't got no money you ain't got no ministry (laughs) because because ministry requires money and there is a a popular myth that has existed for generations 
within our communities that the African-American church has a bottomless pit of financial resources that, that, that never run out. And, 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 and the only thing that keeps us from being able to accomplish major things is that there is greed and, 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 and there is selfishness that exists within the church, and primarily they focus it on the pastor, and that's what keeps the church from realizing its potential. When a closer examination would reveal, number one, you don't have a bottomless pit of resources. Number two, what African-American churches do with the resources that they have at their disposal is nothing short of miraculous. You always want to talk about miracles. Uh, uh, are you ready for a miracle? The miracle is what African-American churches are able to accomplish with the meager amount of economic resources that they have at their disposal. And I think that if people had a greater appreciation of what is done with what you have, uh, we, 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 we all shout when we read about Jesus uh, feeding thousands with two fish and five loaves of bread. Black Baptist Church has been doing that for generations. We, we, we have been providing for people with meager resources for generations, and yet I don't think that the African-American church gets enough credit for what they do with the resources that they have at their disposal. And, uh, and, and we have this conversation often, and uh, when I think about Charles Smith, J.R. Williams, H.B. Uh, Williams, uh, uh, Chester Freeman, Chester Forrest, yeah, uh, and I and I think I just mentioned the other day they accomplished far more than what we're accomplishing uh, today. Uh, many of them, they had a few school teachers, uh, maybe a professor or two here or there, but they basically had dishwashers, uh, laborers. You know, I was uh, a few years ago. Uh, I was in Savannah. And I don't. Uh, the first African American uh, Baptist church uh, in uh, Savannah. That was uh, the architect. That church is still standing. The architect was magnificent, but they would have. They built that church basically at night and on their own time. They had to go pull rocks out the river, and the women would haul the rocks uh, to to the to the church site. Uh, Nobody's got going to do any hauling today. Yeah, uh, we we have become uh, uh, complacent, but we we had a common drive to to end Jim Crow, to end segregation. Uh, now our focus is, is is more complex in attempting to to elevate the folk we pastor, mm -hmm. and, and we do. When you when you say it's more than resources, I think to to this day. Uh, most of the uh, uh, leadership uh, and gifts and talent come out of the, the, the African-American uh, church. I mean, it was, uh, you know, um, <laughs> where my church, uh, Donaldson Chapel Church, uh, I, I serve is in the inner city. And a few years ago, someone asked me, well, what do your parents and things to think about the, the public schools and you actually most of my kids in uh magnet school <laughs> uh, uh, so it's uh uh i think providing those children and youth and young adults and and setting a vision and principle one of the things i think we do we we help our parents raise the children 
Mm-hmm. One of the highest compliments I ever uh, received as a pastor was a, from a person I, I grew up. She said, "I want to, I want to thank you for helping me raise my son." Uh, they kind of. He's an engineer today, you know. Mm-hmm. So those are the types of things that I think uh, uh, the undocumented, and right. I, it's always been there. It's all, it's always been there, you right. know. So, uh, oh, I think a, a pastor down the street from me asked me one time. I think I was getting close to twenty years. He said, "What you most bad?" I thought about it. I said, "Watching those young people grow up." Mm-hmm. I think that's what I most enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> You mentioned uh, your seminary training. You are an alum of Virginia Union, uh, the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union University in Richmond, Virginia. It's also the school where uh, my wife, Reverend Demetria Jones Smith, went. And and there there, there seems to be a strong connection between uh, Louisiana, Baton Rouge in particular, and Virginia Union as uh, the place where ministerial training took place. Uh, you came out of Virginia Union, uh, William Mabry, uh, who pastors in Monroe area and, and is from Shiloh Baptist Church, came out of uh, Virginia Union. Uh, there, there are others who, who, who have made that crossing. Uh, talk about the Virginia Union experience. I know y'all got a strong union. <laughs> I, I hear that quite a lot. Uh, Virginia Union uh, is a, a predominantly African-American seminary on the uh, campus of Virginia Union University, which is HBCU, uh, with a, a, a long uh, heritage. This is a, a small college, and uh, Virginia Union Virginia Union has a re- reputation probably in the uh, 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 Baptist uh, circles of being liberal, but it's really not liberal. It's probably uh, moderate uh, in theology. But uh, at the time I was there, and it's probably still the same, it was uh, the, the, the heavy focus was on serving the community, uh, preaching, because Virginia Union believed that the, the path to the mind of, our, of of the folk we're we're serving is through preaching, mm-hmm. and that you have to preach to their heart and 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 let it grow up to the mind. Mm-hmm. So, and so it was heavy focus on uh, uh, preaching, but uh, uh, liberation theology was prevalent. But it, under Dr. Kenny at that time, it was more of a constructive theology that you were exposed to uh, all the ideas of the great thinkers throughout uh, 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 churches. It was a, a minute, most of the professors pastored the church, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the major, you know, uh, our professors were graduates of Harvard, Pittsburgh, the University of Chicago. Um, places like Princeton and Drew, mm-hmm. and so uh, we uh, was were exposed to to, to that, uh, and, and it was a, a the typical HBCU uh, experience uh, compared to what I've learned that other more evangelical seminaries uh, uh, taught, but. So uh, it, it's a uh, it's a 
it's a life changing experience. It's a it's and, and many times you don't really benefit from it until years later if you continue to study because whether it's ministry, whether it's law, uh, whether it's engineering, you never stop studying. Mm-hmm. So the roots that they they plant, uh, the seeds that they plant within you. Uh, uh, go a long uh, way. So I, I was blessed, and it was a, a son of Shiloh. Uh, uh, Re- Re- Reverend Henry Blunt, who passed recently, uh, Reverend Smith, and a good friend of from Baton Rouge, uh, D. Mitchell Ford, who uh, uh, encouraged me. Uh, and Basically, Henry Blunt told me I had. But it, but it's a. Uh, it is very similar to the D- Jaguar family. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to the Jaguar family. Uh, when folks asking me about law school, I say, "Well, yeah, four good law schools here." But I say, when, when you say mention Southern Law School, I say you're gonna have lifelong friends, you know, you know, across the nation. So. Right. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I, I think uh, your wife started the year I left. I think she started right after I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that uh, she loves Virginia yeah. Union. Uh, Stephen Blunt, yeah, uh, who uh, pastors in uh, the Franklin, I'm sorry, the Suffolk, Virginia area up there, uh, but has roots here in Baton Rouge. Uh, I know a whole lot of Union graduates and. Uh, the, the the love that you all express for Union, I, I must confess, is a little bit different than than uh, the, the the feelings that I have when I think about my seminary experience. Um, I, I, I appreciate New Orleans, uh, a Southern Baptist school, uh, where I got my uh, seminary training, but appreciation is not the same as devotion mm. and and commitment, and uh, I. I uh, I think that in many ways I probably missed out on something because uh, I did not have the union experience that all the rest of you had. If you missed out, for instance, my experience at union was probably not as shocking as some students' experience at union because uh, growing up under... uh, Reverend Smith, uh, Re- Re- Reverend Smith was, uh, in many ways, eclectic theologically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, and and a lot of things that that were taught at, at at Union did not shock me because uh, Reverend Smith could be very liberal on on, on some things. So, uh, especially with his social ethics, right and. Um, uh, he, he was not a he, he was pretty traditional doctrinally but uh, for his biblical interpretation uh, he, he, he was uh, he was an educated man so yeah. so uh, but some students receive a, a, a culture shock when they have to to, to deal with other ideas mm-hmm. uh, biblically and theologically so uh, I, I I didn't. In fact, I, I was attracted to the the, the, the depth of uh, of the study. So they didn't try to teach you 
what to think, but how to think. And if you decided <laughs> to be dogmatic, you had to prove it. <laughs> and very seldom you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you just led me into the last thing that I wanted to to share with you. You talked about uh, a, a social ethic uh, mm. uh, that serves as a compass or or an, an anchor for your service, both in ministry and I would presume in law and as uh, uh, just a, Christ, a Christian citizen mm. of, of, of this community. Uh, looking at what's going on in Baton Rouge today, we, we've only talked about uh, uh, police reform as far as uh, community-wide issues, but uh, there, there, there is a strong racial tension that exists within this community. And I don't think that it's simply rooted in race, but it's also rooted in the disparities of economics yeah. and the disparities of education uh, that exist. And, and I think that each one of those bleeds into the other. And whether you're talking about uh, governmental institutions or business institutions or academic institutions, uh, the, the tension that exists within our community is great. As a Christian, as a person who is interested in social justice issues, what is it that you think is needed in order to bring about some remedy uh, or, or the beginnings of remedy uh, to the situation as it exists within Baton Rouge? I think uh, Baton Rouge, we're behind in some areas uh, that maybe some other metropolitan areas they've already experienced. Uh, 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 the city limits is close, to, within the city is close to predominantly black. We have uh, white flight uh, to surrounding uh, areas. I don't know what, I think, as far as the black community a concern, focus on economics, unity, and leadership. Um, across the spectrum of areas, professional, vocational, uh, church-wise, we, we, it's a lack of unity, and uh, we're suffering some leadership problems as compared to, to yesterday uh, when the, the church was the focal mm -hmm. point. But we had a we had a clear defined agenda, segregation, Jim Crow. Uh, but the economic disparity, I think the greatest danger, and I, I don't think my generation was to, to, to deal with it, it's the economic disparity and a generation that recognizes the East economic disparity. We're going to have trouble holding on to our young people mm -hmm. uh, and those who are here, here the, those who are here realize uh, the disparity. So, and, and I detect, you know, 20 years ago when I knew everything, I had the answers, but now <laughs> I, I, I don't have the answers. Uh, uh, but I do think... I detect the ill wind, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a silent anger, uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, that uh, you take like the issue with the zoo. Mm-hmm. People just not buying it, you know. Right. <laughs> they 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 not buying it. You right. know, you 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 gonna tell me you gonna build something you don't know where you're gonna build it, you don't know how much it's gonna cost. Right. But you want me to support it. Right. And because I don't support it, I'm anti progressive. Right. You're gonna tear down a library that nobody was going to and build another one right there on top of it. Yes. And I'm supposed to understand that. Right. But anytime I come up with some progressive idea, it's not time or that, you know, just because you give statistics and can tell me what happened in Austin or Baltimore or Cincinnati, you know, but uh, some of those folks don't, don't, don't have the issues that, that, that we have. Some of those folks, some of them work better. Right. You know, I think what's going to happen, and things are, I think the African-American community, we're going to have to harness our political power and join it with economic power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I, I but, but, but I think my generation On back, I think we were more apt to compromise and work together. I think we still have, but I think there's a growing mass of disinherited, disengaged folk who are not going to be willing to compromise. I spoke about this last uh, time we did the podcast with uh, Pastor Dale Flowers. And our conversation centered primarily around uh, the school tax, which by the time this podcast uh, is aired or seen, uh, it will be a resolved issue. Uh, but, but we talked about the fact that uh, leadership within our communities is no longer centralized within the church, that, that, that there is fracture within the leadership uh, of the African-American community. And there are a lot of folk who don't go to church. Uh, you know, by, by and large, statistically speaking, African-Americans still go to church more than any other racial group. But uh, that number is changing and, and the number is shrinking. Uh, so one of the things that, 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 that Pastor Flowers and I talked about is uh, what role does the church play in, in maintaining uh, cohesiveness and unity as we try to go forward, acknowledging the fact that our role as leader uh, in this effort is not what it once was. Uh, I think uh, the, the church role is going to be to to decide whether we are our brother's keeper and whether we are going to be able to all of it is not the people's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are we going to be able to to work with other people in a team effort? Will Baptists be able to to work with your Islamic brother? Mm-hmm. Will uh, 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 will the s- so-called heterosexual be able to work with the homosexual? Mm-hmm. You know, when you come into when you're de- dealing with 
a, a common problem of economics or education, uh, we have to be kind of frank. Something you know, people don't want to hear a sermon when when, when they talk about building the school. They don't want you, you. You don't want to be in the room with me because I have a different faith than than, mm-hmm. than you have. You know, so I, I think that the, the church is going to have to be more flexible in dealing with the twenty with twenty first century folk. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, because uh, uh, so sometimes the laity know more than the pulpit. You know. <laughs> That's a bold admission to make. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, while we might say that to ourselves in private conversation, mm. uh, it's seldom heard uh, in public conversation uh, that, that perhaps the pew has surpassed the pulpit yeah. in certain areas. Yeah, not, not in, you know, in, in certain areas. Uh, uh, you know, something your daddy used to say, pe- pe- people vote and talk with their feet. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, in closing, it, it, I, I appreciate you taking the time yeah. to come and share uh, uh, with us today. Uh, as, as as you peer into the near future and, and perhaps the not so near future, uh What's your belief about uh, where we're going and how we're going to get there? As a, a church? As the church. I, I, I think we're, we're going into, you, you hear the scholars talk about the uh, emerging church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we're, uh, that we're becoming more like Europe, where uh, the church's uh, attendance is not uh, important. Uh, I think the church will have to move more toward uh, in engagement uh, with the community on a practical uh, basis. Uh, that's why I think we're going. I think I think we're going to have to struggle with with issues. Something you said at uh, uh, lunch the other day that The fundamentalists and the traditionalists change by silence. Yes. You know, you and I do marriages, and folks, are, most of the time, they're already living together. Right. We just don't say nothing. That's right. You know, uh, I think that's where, where, where we're growing. A lot of these uh, uh, issues, uh, I think there'll always be a pop pocket of the tra- what we now know as the traditional, but whether we admit it or not, culture greatly impacts the church. Yes. And I, I think we're going to see that impact in the future. Whatever you see in the culture is going to impact the uh, church. I'm not saying it's going to transform the church, but it's going to impact the church. I tend to agree. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, welcome, welcome. You're a great host. You might find you. I think you found <laughs> another career here. We, 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 we got to get you a talk show. Well, <laughs> we, we, we'll see. We'll see. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for viewing. Come back and share with us next time for the next Thrive Podcast.